Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge explosion of fire for John Forrest. The car exploded going through the lights, and this is as bad a fire as we This week, it's the two biggest comebacks in NHRA 2022. Tony Schumacher and Austin Proc join the show. It's going to be Tim Wilkerson. Wilkerson goes 391-2. They'll be talking about top fuel drag racing, redemption, and how they plan to attack the 2022 season. Perfect reaction time for Dallas Glenn. Triple zeros across the top of the time slip, and at the finish line stripe, it's Dallas Glenn. This is the NHRA Insider. It's Bruce Pentagon, 395.8, 324 miles an hour. A margin of victory of 26 ten thousandths of a second. Hey everybody, Brian Loans here with another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast, and we are there. We are right there. As I make this show, I'm getting ready to leave for the preseason NHRA spring training test session in Phoenix, Arizona, which will lead us directly into the Winter Nationals, which will lead us directly into the Arizona Nationals and the excitement, the hype, the just overall attitude of everybody is just completely over the top right now. As we all know, and as we have talked about week in and week out on this show and across drag racing media, it has been unrelenting. The news cycle that began at the Winter Nationals, rather began at the World Finals and will culminate at the Winter Nationals has just not stopped. When we went off the air last week, it had just been announced that day that Alan Johnson was officially going to be the uh, kind of chief tuner, if you will, over at Coletta Motorsports at Coletta Racing. And working with him will be Brian Hewson as well as Jason McCulloch. McCulloch comes from, of course, the Capco team. He comes from a long lineage, of course, of great successful teams, the Allen Abbey days. It really is a bit of a reunion for those three guys. And for Jason McCulloch, uh, he will be spending his time, my understanding anyway, he will be spending his time as the direct overseer of Sean Langdon's car, as we will have Brian Houston as the direct overseer of D- uh, Doug Coletta's car with Alan Johnson working in concert with Connie Coletta to make the final tuning calls on those machines. So um, this this pea soup thick you know storyline that has been top fuel in the offseason got a whole bunch more thick with the official announcement of Alan Johnson going to Coletta. It is something that has been rumored for a long time. It's something that, quite honestly, behind the scenes um, we had known about. In fact, I will tell you this, that we had actually shot an interview with Alan Johnson at the World Finals, standing in front of Doug Coletta's trailer, him making the announcement that he was going to be going there, and for reasons that the teams have, and for reasons that uh, you know they they basically uh, decide for themselves when this news will be released, when it will be publicly discussed, um, we did not get a public and or official announcement about it until last week. And that's not something I'm faulting the team for. You know, they uh, I think they chose their spot. They waited until there was a brief lull between the massive, uh, you know, crashing waves of news to get their news out. And it certainly reverberated around the sport. There are a few combinations on paper anyway that are more fearsome than the one that they have established now with the addition of Alan Johnson. Rob Flynn has been named as the crew chief on Mike Salinas's car. If you're wondering well, what's going on with that, that is going to be Rob Flynn's uh, charge now. So in a way, it's trade because, as we know, Rob Flynn was with Coletta last year until uh, really the last, I believe, five races of the season. And so he goes over to Salinas, uh, understanding that uh, Alan Johnson, if he does not have a you know direct consulting role, has certainly provided them a great baseline to work off of. Um, Brian Houston is obviously off that car as well. Now, the understanding I also have is that Salinas's crew uh, maintained their position with the car. So meaning that um, in, in previous iterations of this, uh, 
of this team, uh, Brian Houston and his crew, have gone with Allen, or they've all kind of traveled together from car to car. Well, those guys have stayed on Salinas's car, which is a big thing to talk about. Um, but the Coletta crew guys are obviously seasoned, they're obviously talented, and they're obviously going to do the job that they need to do to be successful. But the fact that Mike Salinas did not have to replenish a crew is a big deal. And that means that Rob Flynn is going to be working with some very talented people there, some of the most grizzled and experienced crew guys in the top fuel pit area. So they will be able to execute his calls um, the way he sees fit, and they will do it at a very high level. This, when we talk about this, this kind of fearsome uh, grouping of people, we look at what Alan Johnson accomplished with Sean Langdon. We certainly look at what he's accomplished with a multitude of drivers with his own brother back in the day. Um, and it's impossible to, to look past the, the impact that he has had in top fuel drag racing and the success that he's had uh, with virtually every car he's ever laid hands on. And we take that success, that tuning success, and now we apply it to two guys that are, you know, recognized as kind of maestros in the top fuel cars. And you know, last season was a very frustrating one for both of those guys for obvious reasons. They did not have the results they wanted uh, down the stretch. There was some early season goodness going on there, and that all kind of faded by the time that the uh, season had come to a close. The thing that did not fade was their ability to drive. We look at what Sean Langdon and Doug Coletta did as pilots in those cars, and you know, it really comes down to the old adage, especially in drag racing, that you can only do what you can do. And the driver, unfortunately, is not going to be able to prevent round losses when the car smokes the tires off the step of the throttle. Um, but the driver is going to prevent people from leaving on them. And both of those guys played an incredibly good defensive role. And I do think it was a defensive role. I think, you know, they were put in a position where they knew they had to be, they were going to have to be better than the person in the other lane one way or the other. And both of them uh, took that adversity and, and really turned it into a positive in terms of their statistical output uh, for the raw driver statistics of the season. Yes, the round wind lights did not turn on with the frequency they wanted or hoped or even kind of expected, uh, but that all seems kind of fit to change here for the 2022 Camping World Drag Racing season. And, you know, just when the plot, you know, couldn't get any crazier in top fuel, it does. And it does so in an official sense. So, you know, we have Ron Tober coming back, working with Austin Proc. We're going to be in Joe Barlam. Barlam will be the crew chief of record on that car, and Tobler will be the um, the right-hand man of, of Barlam. Certainly will play a big role. Uh, Tobler will be flying in and out, will not be spending all of his time at the shop uh, kind of attached to the car like Barlam will, hence his lead role in this team. And uh, Ron is very, very happy with the role that he will have. It fits his life at this point, and it fits his uh, kind of mode of living right now. So, all of that's going to be great to watch as well. And it's going to, you know, this top fuel season, the big kind of scuttlebutt amongst the, uh, you know, the inside Illuminati of drag racing, let's call it, as, as I'm chatting with drivers on the side, I'm chatting with crew chiefs, I'm chatting with uh, team owners even on the side. You know, this big question that's kind of looming right now is who is going to be the first 2021 top fuel, top 10 finisher to fail to qualify for a show? And it's going to happen. It will happen, whether it's at the Winter Nationals, whether it's at the Gator Nationals, whether it's at Arizona, whether it's in Topeka, whether it's in Dallas. At some point this year, we will see, because of what we're expecting to see for car counts and, and participation, and the level of those those participants um, are really going to be raising the game and raising the bar. The stress levels will be off the roof, um, and I think that is going to have a positive impact as far as what we see, as far as emotions from our drivers, as far as... Um, 
competitive level as far as the hunger, I think all those things are going to be ratcheted up. When we look at the top fuel potential fields and nitro funny car potential fields and pro stock potential fields for the Lucas Oil Winter Nationals, um, I'm expecting somewhere around 17 top fuel cars, maybe 18. I'm also uh, expecting the fact that uh, the, the nitro funny car category may end up with 19. And there are already 19 pro stock cars entered. And the last I checked, Alex Laughlin's name was not on there yet. So we may have 20 pro stockers, 19 nitro funny cars, and 18 top fuel cars. And we're talking about entry levels to the point that we have not seen in a half a decade. We have to go back more than that, really, to get to the point where we have those numbers at the very first race of the year. We will pick up some cars, believe it or not, when we go to Phoenix because there are a few teams that are running the Phoenix test but are not going to go out to run the Winter Nationals, Trip Tatum being one of them. Obviously, that's a very good car and and works along the the Capco model, works along really along the Capco kind of tune-up. And we saw Trip Tatum do some really good things with that car late in the season last year. And, you know, the overriding question is this is going to be a top fuel-centric show is whether or not Steve Torrance goes five straight. And in the event that he does go five straight, this will be an absolute defining championship. In the event he doesn't go five straight, it doesn't diminish anything he's done. And we see we're going to see how they fight. We're going to see how they get in the trenches and battle because, you know, it's never easy to win a single race. It is never easy to win a group of races. It is virtually impossible by anybody's account to do what that team has done for four years straight which leads us to believe that maybe they can do it for five years straight, but they're going to have a damn difficult time doing it here in 2022. The end result of that, of course, is going to be very compelling racing, very compelling shows for the fans, very compelling shows for us and the NHRA on Fox crew to make, and all of that is great. Uh, speaking of the NHRA on Fox shows, you're going to see some fun stuff um, this year. We're working on some great stuff with our, our partners at Fox, and you're going to see uh, great broadcasts. It has been announced that the... Uh, top Fuel Shootout, which will happen, the Pep Boys Top Fuel All-Star Callout, as the official name is. Uh, first off, Pep Boys stepping up to sponsor that event is great. Pep Boys stepping up to sponsor the Maple Grove Race is great, and that's an awesome brand for us to have back in the sport of drag racing and for them to enter, re-enter, I should say, the sport in such kind of a uh, a big way is, uh, is spectacular and, and certainly sets a good example. Um that shootout, which will happen at Gainesville on Saturday, will be broadcast live on the Fox Broadcast Network. The race itself will be on FS1 on Sunday. Qualifying will be on FS1 as well. But the call-out shootout, if you will, the Pep Boys NHRA All-Star call-out for Top Fuel will be broadcast live on the Fox Broadcast Network, which is fantastic. That That's going to be a $100,000-plus purse. Eight drivers having to call each other out round around, and uh, to the victor goes the spoils, and that's going to be a fun thing to watch. And it may be, you know, a little bit of a kind of a harbinger of things to come as far as this season goes. This idea of rising tensions, this idea of rising pressures, we see it. Um, we see, you know, the Bush Clash was last weekend, if, if, and I'm hoping you watched it. Even if you're not a huge stock car fan, the spectacle of watching stock cars race inside the L.A. Coliseum was fantastic. And that was a situation where we saw some um, we saw some temperatures rise at that event. And that's a non-points-paying deal. That's a money race only, much like our shootout events are. And uh, there were Hans devices flying and people screaming and yelling and middle fingers being thrown. And, you know, 
I love it. And uh, some people may not like that that conflict. Some people may not like that discord. But ultimately, conflict and discord are at the nature of sports. It is a one-on-one competition. Twice a year, it's a four-on-four competition or a two-on-two competition, if you will, when we go four-wide drag racing. But um, this idea of, of confrontation in sports is is at the root of all of it. I don't think any of us watch sports to to see who gives the best handshake at the end of the game. I don't think that's a thing. I mean, it becomes a story about who gives the worst handshake at the end of the game, seemingly after every NFL event. But at this point, you tune in to see elite athletes do things that you can't do to at sometimes punish each other and sometimes make a spectacle of each other and sometimes fail at it. But ultimately, you watch it because of the conflict. You want to see your laundry beat the other team's laundry. You want to see your guy beat the other the other guy. I mean, in drag racing, you want to see your favorite racer stand up to and take down the racer that you don't like. And that's one of the things I think is going to be very interesting this year is the the vocal nature of our fan base. I think is going to is going to be reinvigorated to a degree as well. Um, and I have no problem with that either. Um, even when it comes to me and how I do my job, which I hear from a lot of people every Monday morning at, and. <laughs> majority of them aren't in love with it um but thankfully i love what i do and i love working with tony i love working with with bruno amanda jamie and our entire nhra on fox crew we work very well together and we're all looking very forward to the season so um this idea of of the tension that will be top fuel is something i want to i want to talk to our guests about today austin brock huge news with him coming back in after the after the 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 layoff if you will of 2020 and in 2021 he had that bright, shining moment in Norwalk where he got into Clay Milliken's car and, and smashed his way into a semifinal finish. Uh, we actually had Clay in the in the TV booth with us during that weekend, and Clay was like in tears, and, and they were not sad tears. He was happy. He was, he was rooting his team on. He was really excited to see what that car was doing, and obviously he was excited to get back in the seat. But to experience that weekend, that race day with Clay, sitting in the seat right next to him was uh was really something interesting something that uh, i won't soon forget and tony schumacher our second guest or or i should say the the second guest on the show he may actually end up first in the order here but his return is symbolic in so many ways it's interesting in so many ways he's done a lot of interviews of course this will be the last interview he does before he leaves to go testing in phoenix like tomorrow so um, I'm looking forward to having these conversations with our top fuel racers. I'm looking forward to their opinions, and I'm looking forward to their outlook on the season. And I'm not selling the other category short. Pro stock is going to be ridiculous. If, if we continue to, and there's no real sign it's going to stop, have 19 to 20 and sometimes more than 20 cars showing up to these events, um, those last three or four, maybe even five positions on the qualifying sheet are going to be incredible to watch. I, I don't suspect Greg Anderson is going to be like a 13 qualifier. I don't suspect there's going to be a fall off there. But I do suspect that some of the names that are new in the category, some of the names that are really scrapping to make fields are going to step up their game because they have to. And those are going to be the spots to watch. Those will be great stories to see manifest themselves as well. Nitro Funny Car is going to be ridiculous. It was last year. Um, all the players are back. The top 10 cars are going to be back throwing haymakers at each other. The drivers are going to be throwing haymakers at each other. Maybe literally by the time we're done, some of these guys. But it's really going to be something to watch. But today it is all about Top Fuel. And our first guest on this episode of the NHRA Insider is the winningest Top Fuel driver in the history of the category. He comes back with the Maynard Family Foundation and Skag Equipment on his Top Fuel Dragster. Let's welcome Tony Schumacher onto the show. Tony, how you doing, man? Outstanding. Looking forward to getting 
season started. And you, uh, man, you're on the way to the barber, getting the uh, getting the fade tightened up. You're <laughs> you're totally getting ready, man. Yeah, this is probably the first time I'm heading to the barber on the way to a race and not getting a flat top in 25 years. You know. And and listen, some things have changed. That's changed. But one thing that has not changed is the fact that uh, you're going to need to come out of the gate swinging like everybody else this year in Top Fuel. Well, no doubt about it, because there's a lot of great cars. This I, I'm excited. You know, I, it, it's fun. You go on NHRA.com. You go on uh, Competition Plus. Your casts, and you just you read how many cars are going to be out there in the level. And you know, as we've all said for so many years, winning championships is epic, but winning them with the correct amount of good cars, that's what racing's about. The fans are going to get their money's worth. The teams are going to get their money's worth. We're going to go out there and have an awesome, awesome season. Yeah, it's it's like the old adage. I mean, the, 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 the bar that is tough to get into is the bar that everybody wants to be in, right? When you're going down the street looking to go get a drink with somebody, you don't want to go in a place where the only guy's sitting there. You want to be in there with some people, and, and you're going to be in there with some people this year. <laughs> Man, a lot of people, a lot of good, a lot of good drivers. It looks like, you know, silly season – uh, really kind of took a perfect turn. You know, you got Alan Johnson moving over, working with the Colettas. We got Torrance's out there. We know that Brittany's car runs good. Antron's starting his own. Leah's starting her own. Us having a chance to go out there and, you know, work with Todd Okahara and his brother Scott. And, and uh, it's just going to be awesome. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. You know, it's like I'm looking forward to getting out there. I'm looking forward to getting started. I'm looking forward to seeing the – uh, if I can remember how to do this, it's been a year. <laughs> and, you know, that was going to be one of my questions, just the mentality in terms of, you know, when you came back in 2020 you, and you drove those races, ultimately winning down in Texas, that was something you knew had a shelf life. You knew you were going to come in and do the job you needed to do for that season, but you knew it wasn't kind of a long-term situation. So tell me about what the difference is here. What with with the, the Maynard Family Foundation and, of course, with SCAG, which was a huge announcement for you and the team, what is the men- mental difference between coming back in 2020 to kind of step in to fill gaps versus coming in now with, with really all the resources you need? <laughs> well, I get to use good stuff. You know, not that not that they weren't borrowing me good stuff, but let's face it, I went out, qualified number one in Leah's backup car. Then after she crashed, she, she took it back, and I ended up in Antron's backup backup car. So this is nice. It's my stuff, our parts, our pieces. Our crew chief has a focus on that particular car, and we'll be able to, you know, you know, Todd Okahara has never been able to work with me and vice versa, so we're going to go at this uh, with a lot of excitement. You know, we've, we've wanted to work together for a long time, and um, he, he's a good tuner, man. He makes he makes a car run real, real fast. They qualified real good. We need to learn to race better, uh, and, you know, hopefully I can bring that to the table. And obviously, DSR has been a colossus in this sport for a long time, continues to be a colossus in this sport. And I'm interested in, in this this kind of idea that there is a much more singular focus on your car this year. And not to say that every other team out there that, that raced at DSR when, when it was the whole you know building was full of all the different teams, the idea that there is a singular focus to me is exciting because there's none of that other distraction. There's none of those other conversations you need to have when there's only one thing to do. I think it makes everybody better. Look, I am looking forward to that and have been for a long time. You know, I, I got tired to be honest of everyone going, you know, team cars, you know, that's Antron's my teammate and Leah's my teammate. The only thing that was true about that is my dad owned those teams. Yeah. You know, and, and every now and then a crew chief would come over and maybe they would share some information, but that, when we got down to it, a team car truly, and I mentioned this in a report last week, a team car is something that's painted the same and has the same goal. 
And the same goal was to win that for the Army at the time. And that wasn't what my teammates were for, man. They had Madco tools and they had Mopar. They're trying to win it for themselves. So I got I got rid of it. I'm not I get rid of it. They left. They're doing their own deal. And now I have a Focus one car. Well, I should say one car. It's going to look like four different cars this year. You know, yeah, the schemes you got coming. Yeah, the schemes you got coming are going to be varied, and and I've I've seen some renderings, and they look <laughs> awesome. I know they're super cool, and you know, I put those deals together. I, I put that Skag deal together through uh, the credit card processing side of things, and it was just super cool. It was like I did something a little bit different than what I normally did. I wasn't prepared when the army left. I wasn't prepared for them to leave. They, you know, they told me that was a lifelong deal, and then when they left. I didn't have backup plans ready to go. So it took time to go out and build relationships. And, and in doing so, um, I learned things I probably never would have had a chance to learn before. I never wanted to be a team owner. It never was at top of my list, never was it a goal. I don't think, you know, I think there's people trying it this year that maybe aren't ready for it. Some maybe, some maybe not. It's a big step. You got to spend, you know, all that time you spent golfing before, that's all gone now. <laughs> it, it's bookkeeping now. You know, it's like, it, I, I don't know. You know, it's like you, you go into the, we travel 200 plus days a year. We miss our families. We miss our kids. And, and to take those few days, precious times that we have at home, going to the gym, working out, and all of a sudden it's gone, right? You're running a business. I, so there's some people that are going to learn some lessons this year. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, the big question that everybody has is is how how much do those lessons affect the mental state of the guy in the seat of the car, right? And that's that to me is going to be, that's what the fans are going to see. The fans are going to see whether or not that these changes have had an effect on how the driver actually operates the race car. And, and we can only sit here and, and speculate about it now, but you can't tell me, and you've done this long enough, you absolutely cannot tell me that if you knew if you bang the blower in the next run, it was coming out of your pocket, it would not change the way you drive a race car. Wouldn't it, it, It's impossible. I would change the way I drove it every second of the way. <laughs> for fact, no doubt. And I think you're exactly right. It's a big difference writing a check for a quarter of a million dollars to fix a bunch of broken stuff, you know, uh, and, and looking at your dad saying, oops, sorry. I like that. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> You know, I want to talk a little bit about testing that's coming up in Phoenix. Uh, obviously, I know you're excited to, to physically get back in the race car, but when you look at your own kind of mental goals or even the team's goals, what are you going to consider a successful Phoenix test rolling into Pomona? That's a really good question. And, you know, uh, years ago when, when me and Mike Green started, and I, I think I've probably told you before, but, you know, I was told by a lot of people, uh, good luck. You know, Alan Johnson's leaving. You know, you, you got a good chance at finishing number two and, uh, you know, maybe winning a race or two. We went to the first warm-up and, and went to start the car, and it didn't start. And I started laughing, and I said, you know, all these championships in a row, new crew chief, and the car didn't start. But I looked at my guys, and I said, listen, when we're giving our world champ speech at the end of the year, I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to mention that. It, <laughs> and I did, and I did. And, it, you know, it's one of those things where I look forward to getting to know new guys, guys I haven't worked with, bringing in some old guys that I know are really good at their job to help train them, uh, working with a new crew chief who's going to see how I drive a car yeah. and watching what he does. Because I do drive the car different, in my opinion. You know, you can't, you know, I weigh a different amount than Leah. Uh, my car 60 foot really well with no matter who's tuning it i don't exactly know why but what the crew chiefs are going to learn is this is fun 
You know, this is a good time. And if we get going in the right direction with, with the right attitude heading into Pomona, we're going to just have a great time. I want this year to be fun. I want SCAG to come back halfway through the season and go, we're sorry we're so late for signing for next year. We had no idea how awesome this was going to be. We know Joe Maynard and Kathy Maynard are going to do that. Uh, so we're bringing, you know, it's exciting. And new sponsors popping in. SCAG was never in drag racing before. This was a brand new deal. It's good for the sport. Uh, I, man, what can you say? It's just going to be awesome. It really will be. And, you know, the size of the test this year is beyond anything we've seen in years. I think there are 40, at least 40 cars going to be there. And obviously there's a bunch of pro stock cars, but there are more nitro cars on the, the, the funny car and top fuel side at a preseason test than we have seen in many years. So how much does this thing, in, in your opinion, how much does this kind of play out as almost a, a weigh-in before a boxing match, before a title fight? They bring the guys in, they put them on a scale, and they get to look at each other and stare at each other up and down. How much of a, of a weigh-in style kind of attitude do you think this will have? When somebody goes out there and, and blows the scoreboards over, are they going out to send a message? Are they saying, okay, we're ready to go for Pomona? And if somebody else struggles, how much of a difference kind of message is that sent? Well, man, I hope we're not the ones struggling, but it's a possibility. <laughs> Anyone can be, you know. Yeah. Uh, but we can look at the list, and we know there's 10, 12 cars that are going to run really good. And maybe not at testing, maybe, but we know throughout the season, this is not going to be easy. We got another five or six cars that can win a race, and that's more than we've had yeah. since probably 99. We won the championship in 99. And when we got to Indy, there were 10 teams that could leave with the points lead. That's how close it was. With no countdown, 10 teams that could leave with the lead. And that's how good it's going to be this year, man. I'm telling you, the coverage is going to be outstanding. The fans are going to get their money's worth. I love when, the, I love when fans leave and they, they look at me and go, I owe more money. We paid we paid this much for a ticket <laughs> to go to CMHRA, but I, I feel like we got our value and then yeah. some. And that's what they're going to get this year. That's absolutely it, man. And I will let you go after uh, after one final question. And, and, you know, you are a competitor, clearly, uh, obviously the winningest driver, as I mentioned, in top fuel history, you know, more championships, uh, incredible record as far as round wins and everything else goes. And so there are guys that aren't of that mindset, right? And not because they can't be, they just aren't. So what is the difference between, and I'm not asking you to name names, and I'm certainly not going to, but what is the difference between a person that is just kind of happy to be there driving a race car versus a person that is out there to achieve what you've achieved? What is the, what is the mentality difference there? Man, I wish I, that's a great question because I think that I'm the kind of guy that's just there having a blast. And I think the guy that wins has to be having a blast. You start calling this a job and acting like it's a job, get out of the car. Or stay in the car and just expect to finish second, third, and fourth, right? I mean, you got to get in that car and absolutely love the moment. Absolutely love the pressure because it's going to be incredibly filled with pressure. There's going to be so many moments you're going to sit in that car and look at the car next to you and go, why would I do this? This is overwhelming pressure. But then all of a sudden you go out and do your job and do it well. And then you go, oh, that's why I do it because the pressure makes me better. That's the difference. That's the guy who's going to win. Pressure has to make you better pressure makes diamonds it also uh, makes people puke in the trash can in the staging lanes so as long as if you're one of the guys that makes it you can make diamonds out of it you're going to be a-okay tony i look forward to seeing you in phoenix this week certainly looking forward to the winter nationals go get your haircut be good and i will see you in a few days i'll stay see you soon
Tony Schumacher is ready to bring the fight to the rest of the field in Top Fuel Eliminator. Another guy who's ready to bring the fight and who is coming back after a layoff out of the driver's seat is Austin Prock, and he is our second guest on the show. Austin, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, just uh, getting all ready to go to head out west tomorrow morning. So, dude, your boys left without you. I mean, last year you were on one of those trucks that I, I watched rolling out on John Force uh, Racing social media, but you're not on it. You're not on the truck this year. Yeah, I know. It was uh, definitely a, a different feeling. You know, all last year, all I wanted to do was be flying to the races because that meant I was driving. And uh, when I watched them leave yesterday, all I wanted to do was be inside the truck. So uh, it's uh, crazy how a, a year can make a change in your head. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. They just text me. Uh, all the boys just got into town a couple hours ago. And uh, they were going to get some in and out burger and going to set the pit up. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting there tomorrow. You know, I think there's going to be some value in having the mindset that you have right now. I mean, I really do think that there is value in the, in the understanding of, of what's happening on both sides of this race car. There's got to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, my dad's told me my entire career, the more you know about the race car, the better driver you're going to be. And uh, I definitely think that, uh, that that will show this year. You know, I learned a ton about the race car, and, and I improved uh, the superchargers on our race car going into this season. So, um, you know, just just being able to work hands on and building these race cars, being uh, being hands on with the guys, you gain a lot more respect. And uh, I feel like we all have that same amount of hunger built up right now, and and everybody's ready to go. How much how much in retrospect did the weekend in Norwalk help you mentally? And I'm interested in that because now it's a, it's a totally different ball game. You know, you're back to you know I, I feel like where you feel like you should be, and I know where all of us that love this sport feel like you should be, which isn't a you know secured race car for the year. But how much did that weekend standing in pinch hitting for Clay Milliken affect your mentality, good or bad? It helped uh, tremendously mentally and and on the other side of the things, like uh, you know what people thought about me in the sport. I believe you know going in there, I got that. Uh, I got talked to by, uh, you know, Clay and his guys in, in Stringer, you know, 1030 at night on a Friday night. And they said, hey, I want you to come drive the race car. And I'm thinking to myself, well, hell yeah, I want to go do it. But can I do it? You know, my, my confidence definitely got put in the dirt when, uh, you know, I, I, I had to sit out last season. So and, and it had nothing to do with my performance. Right. But mentally, I felt like, you know, I'm not in a race car right now because I'm not good enough, you know, and that's that's kind of where my head was and rolling in there I was nervous you know because it in my mind it was a make or break it moment for my career if I went out there and flopped you know I could have got shoved under the rug even further and and never got this opportunity today and I told myself you got to go out here you got to drive your absolute best of ability you know and uh you know make it look like you haven't been out of the seat and I feel like that's exactly what we did you know I went up there first run run 73 i think straight as an arrow you know and left first every time i was in the car on the starting line so uh that that definitely boosted my confidence it showed myself that i'm hungry for it i still got it and that's the mindset i have going into this season as much as on the surface a lot of this stuff to, to i think to a lot of our fans looks like it's almost turnkey you know we get an announcement austin proc and monty mock Rocky Mountain Twist and Montana Brands, they are back together again. The trucks go rolling out. And, and we know that there is just an immense amount of work that has happened from that point to this point. 
But at the end of the day, you have to make this look turnkey, right? When you hit the racetrack in Phoenix, it cannot look like something that has been a really hardcore 24-hour-a-day thrash for the last few weeks. You don't really have that much time to get up to speed. So how important is this this upcoming weekend in Phoenix for everybody involved? It's huge. You know, uh, we've, we're, I feel like we're the most prepared this car has ever been. You know, 19 was a thrash going in there. 20, I felt like we were prepared. Um, but you know, the year got cut short and then going into this season, the cars are nicer. The cars are lighter. We have great people. You know, we have Ron Tobler and Joe Barlam. They're hungry to come, you know, race in this top fuel category and, and I'm more hungry than ever. So I think all that adding up has made our preparation even better than it ever has been. And I think it's going to show, you know, we spent, uh, you know, we got a late start on this deal. We, we didn't get the, the news, uh, you know, but a couple weeks ago, you know, I think three weeks ago. So, and we didn't even have a team. So we had to put all that together. You know, a lot of the hours were just me, uh, Brian Benedict and Joe Barlam, you know, trying to get these cars together. And then once we got people, we had to train them all. But I think we have a great, uh, great amount of people behind us. We have great funding, great parts, and there's no reason this thing shouldn't be able to go out there in Phoenix and, and be one of the quickest cars and go to Pomona and contend for a win. And I think what's interesting for you, obviously, you know, the, the stoppage of, of your driving, you know, stint of your career came, as you mentioned, as no fault of your own. But I'm interested in, can you go out there and kind of drive with a chip on your shoulder? Is that is that something that, is that something you will do or would do? Like, not at any directed person, because there wasn't anybody to blame, really. But is that a way that you will compete? Like, is there is there a little bit of that attitude, that chip on your shoulder? Like, okay, I'm back now, so you better all pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm restarting. You know, when I went out in 2019, uh, I had a chip on my shoulder. I believe that's just kind of my personality and the way I race. You know, it it gets me amped up and it. I feel like it pushes myself to do better. So uh, I definitely got a chip on my shoulder. I think I need to go out here and I want to I want to show everyone that, you know, I'm meant to be here and I need to be here. So I'm definitely going to go out there and race with everything I got and, uh, you know, just do the best of my ability that's all i can do but i think if i do that we're going to turn on some wind lights you're the one guy that can actually speak to this situation from the perspective you have because everybody else speaks to it either as an owner or they speak to it as a driver but they don't speak to it as somebody who up until six months ago was a crew guy and is now back in the seat again how insane has it been in that local Brownsburg area with the amount of people moving around, with the amount of teams shifting around, with the amount of chitter-chatter back and forth? I mean, from your level, how nuts has it been? Oh, it's it's crazy. You know, uh, every person on these cars has a huge amount to do with how they, how they perform. You know, and when you get shuffling people around and you get shuffling parts around and pieces and things like that, it all looks good on paper, but it's going to make it tough for a little while. You know, everybody getting back in sync, working together. You know, if your eight crew guys don't get along and they might be the best crew crew guys on the planet, but if they can't see eye to eye and work together, it's never going to work out. And the race car's performance will show that. So I think it's going to be interesting, you know, seeing all these personnel changes, all these crew chief changes, all these team changes. I, I think it's going to be interesting how it turns out. You know, I think some are going to succeed and some might, you know, take a take a few races to, you know, get where they want to be or where they need to be. So I definitely think it's going to be exciting for the fans. You know, um, change is always good, I believe. So, uh, you know, we're going to get to see how it all pans out here in about 
two days. Yeah, it really is. And this is going to be the, the kind of unveil of, of how the story gets told, like you said. And, and you know, there's another option that you mentioned in that pile of options with how this stuff plays out. There may be a couple of these that don't play out at all. I mean, there there is an option of that, too. You know, I'm not saying it's your yeah. guys, but there is that option that, you know, you, you've put together this incredible array of people on paper. And, and sometimes, like in any professional sport, it doesn't really it doesn't really always gel up. Now, one of the guys that I know is going to be integral to your year, Joe Barlam is is the captain of the team, right? Joe Barlam, the crew chief, mm-hmm. he's the guy that's going to be with that car. He is the crew chief of record, and then his right hand man is going to be Tobler. And boy, what a what a steadying presence that guy is! Oh, absolutely. This is this is a dream crew chief lineup, in my opinion. You know, uh, I've I've been looking forward to racing with Joe Barlam, and and you know we've had hopes of this car running all last year, you know? So we've been talking like, who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? Well, as time run out, you know, your pickings get slimmer and slimmer. And this whole entire time, I'm like, how badass would it be to get Ron Tobler back, you know? And, uh, everything just worked out. The timing worked out perfect. And that's a lot of, uh, what goes into this sport being at the right place at the right time. And, and, uh, we, uh, you know, I've been, I was pushing everyone, come on, call Tobler, talk Tobler. And uh, they eventually did. I, it was a Friday evening, and my dad said, hey, he, he called me. He said, hey, Ron's going to talk to Robert. And three hours later, he was my assistant crew chief. So uh, it was just a surreal, you know, turn of events, you know, from who are we going to get? No one wants to come work here, this and that. And then you land Tobler, and it just brought the whole team back to life again. And uh, he's going to be a great great bonus to this team you know his wealth of experience and his racing style paired up with joe b you know joe he's kind of aggressive and i feel like he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder too you know his first time leading the charge and uh he's he's sat out just as long as i have you know from doing what he actually wanted to do and then you pair tobler in there a good smart conservative racer i think this thing's going to go up down the track a lot and it's going to run low et a lot as well yeah and i've said it a few times but in my opinion Joe Barlam is the biggest sleeper name in this entire offseason. And and <laughs> yeah. it is it is one of these things that, again, as far as like the household name guys, he's not that at the moment. He, by the time it's all said and done, the dust settles. That's going to change. But, you know, he's one of these guys that he is not. He's not a showboater. He's not a guy that, that that jumps in front of a TV camera. He'll do it if we ask him, but he's not a guy that does it because he feels like he needs to feed his ego. And so for that reason, he's super well-known and respected inside our little community, but I think there's a lot of people that watch every single week that are going to get a big education on exactly how talented this guy is. Absolutely, yeah. If you don't know who Joe Barlam is right now, mark my words, you'll know who he is by the end of the year. And it's uh, it's it's a it's a, a very exciting thing, you know. I had the first guest I had on the show was was Tony Schumacher, and and I think what's really kind of interesting to me on on both sides of your comebacks is, you know, you have a guy like like Schumacher who's you know been there and done it for for a very long period of time. We have a guy like you who achieved it, and then it got stripped away from him, and he's coming back in, and so. They're similar stories, but they're completely different. And oh, by the way, you're going to have to race this guy probably in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of the coolest parts about this deal is me coming back and him him coming back at the same time. You know, uh, you always want to race the best in the business, and you know, I'm going to get that opportunity now. So it's going to be, uh, it's you know, in my mind, there's going to be a lot of cars that someone rolls up there and it's their hero, or it's someone that they've had a lot of respect for over the years, you know? So 
each round's going to be cutthroat. It's going to be uh, it's going to be excellent racing for the fans, and uh, you know, I think on and off the track, it'll be entertaining for the people. It absolutely will. And, you know, statistically, we look at you know what happened last year. We look at the driver performances last year, and. I mean, it's terrifying for me to say this out loud, and I, I have no ability to drive one of those cars. I have no desire to do it, and even if I had the desire, I certainly would not be competitive in that. I can, I cannot, I'm the worst bracket racer that's ever lived, let alone trying to drive a top fuel car, but the amount of drivers that were mid-50s to low-60s average reaction time last year, and then we add the rest of you guys back in the mix, it's going to be like pro stock with 11,000 horsepower. Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. You know, everybody's really stepped up their game on the starting line. And I feel like this year, finally, the cars are going to step up and, you know, be within a few thou of each other. I feel like last year, the uh, the drivers were very close on the starting line, but the ETs didn't always add up. You Agreed. know, Agreed. they weren't as, as close as the, the drivers were. So, like you said, I think it's going to be a lot like pro stock. You're going to have to go up there. And if you want to win, win around against a cutthroat dude, you're going to have to be 30 on the tree and and run within, you know, uh, a few thou a low ET of the weekend, probably. <laughs> you know, one last question for I, I let you get back to it and get get your bags packed to head west. When we look back over the span of effectively uh, what Phoenix twenty twenty until ironically you're heading back there now in twenty two to, to resume things. What was the period of time in there? And we all had one during the whether we were out of the seat of a race car, whether we were sitting on uh, the sidelines trying to figure out when we go racing again. When was there a moment for you that that teetered on the maybe this isn't going to work out for me? Was there a time? Was there a moment? Was there a day? Was there a, something you remember where you thought to yourself, this may not be, you know, this may not pick up again. This may not be something that I get to do again. Yeah, I, I thought that every day for the last two years, you know, especially when it first happened and the pandemic was going. I didn't even know if the sport was going to make it through. You know, yeah. there was a lot of uncertainty everywhere. And then when the sport did get back up and running and I didn't get my ride back, then it was like even worse, yeah. you know, is this going to happen again? Is this, you know, and then the second year rolls around and you still don't get back in the seat, you know? So it was, uh, it was definitely tough and, uh, it definitely built a lot of character in me. So, you know, everything happens for a reason and, uh, it ended up, you know, last year ended up being a great year. Did I want to be driving? Absolutely. But I got to work with my dad. That's been a dream of mine. And, uh, and we both learned a, a bunch about the superchargers. We, you know, uh, when I do something, I want to do it right. And yeah. I want to do it for the, the best of my ability. So I took that, you know, as a make the best out of it. And we improved that area of the race car. And, you know, it was really cool working with my dad, you know, working with family can be tough, but, uh, you know, it proved that, our family's really strong and, uh, you know, we can do anything together. So, uh, hopefully we can race together, you know, uh, in the, in the future in a little bit different circumstances, but definitely enjoyed last year. Definitely loved what I learned and, uh, you know, the respect that I gained from, you know, people in the sport, you know, still being out there, busting my tail, you know, doing the best of my ability and, and it all paid off. And now I'm back in the seat with a better mindset. Uh, I feel like our family's stronger um, you know, and our team's going to be stronger. I'm going to carry, I'm going to try and carry that, uh, into our team as well. And, and we'll see how the cards play out for this year. 
Well, man, it's going to be fun, and uh, we're just really days away to figure out who's going to be starting this season playing offense and who's going to be starting this season playing defense, trying to catch up to the pack. And I wish you the best of luck. I will see you out there in Phoenix. And uh, again, you know, I think I think I speak for all of us uh, that love the sport. It's it's great to have you back. It's another element, uh, another dimension to top fuel this year that is just. Really has been the gift that keeps on giving on paper. We'll find out how it all works out in the racetrack. But, Austin Proc, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on the show. And I can't wait to get out there in Phoenix and show them what we got. And I can't wait to see all the fans out there this year. And that, as they say, is that the end of another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Really great to catch up with Tony Schumacher. Really great to catch up with Austin Proc. And the rubber literally meets the road this weekend at Wild Horse Pass Motorsports Park for the NHRA Spring Training Preseason Test Session. A monstrous number of cars entered in this thing, both in the Nitro categories and in Pro Stock. We're going to be out there covering it for NHRA on Fox, covering it for NHRA.com, and across NHRA social media platforms. So pay attention to everything going on. You're going to want to understand who's actually coming out of this thing with the the uh, eight cylinders lit and who's coming out of this thing stumbling and bubbling their way to Pomona. It could be the defining moment of the season for some of these teams. If you don't get out of the blocks cleanly this year, especially in Top Fuel Eliminator, it is going to slip away and slip out of your hands very, very quickly. Super excited to get this season started. Thanks for listening to the NHRA Insider. I'm Brian Loans, and I'll be back at you next week with a full recap of testing and a full preview of the NHRA Lucas Oil Winter Nationals 2022 edition. Thanks for listening.